This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. Today, we're joined with the CEO of Trend, Ramon, and we have a very special guest with us, Courtney Boyd Myers, who is the founder of Akua, which produces meat alternatives from Ocean Farm Kelp, one of the most sustainable forms of food. Courtney, I probably butchered that name again for your (laughs) brand name, but I'm sure by the end of the podcast, I promise you I will get it right. So we're super excited to have you over here. I know we're going to be talking about uh, your brand and and just really a, a little bit about how you're kind of making this awesome kelp products, you know, making plant-based foods from kelp, but we're super excited to have you here. So before we jump into all the fun stuff we're going to talk about, even your crowdfunding and all that good stuff, I want to pass the mic over to you if you want to give a quick little intro about yourself and tell us a little bit about your brand and please use your brand name so that way I can finally get this right. (laughs) Of course. No, it's tricky to say. So I'm Courtney Boyd Myers, which is also a mouthful. (laughs) And I started a Kua, started working on it in 2017 after visiting my first kelp farm in 2016. And I had been studying changes to, you know, the environment through agriculture and food systems and was looking for some way to get my hands dirty in climate change solutions. A friend, uh, he was one of the co-founders of GreenWave. He said, why don't you come out on our kelp farm? GreenWave is a nonprofit that starts kelp farms. And I was like, what's a kelp farm? And I went out on a little boat. We were wearing like five millimeter wetsuits and it was April in Connecticut. And we jumped into the water and we pulled out these, you know, big pieces of kelp that were growing on a rope. And I ate it right there like a like a sea otter. <laughs> and I was like, this is delicious. And I was learning all about the environmental benefits that we'll get into and the economic benefits and the health benefits. And I just... I was totally hooked. And so Okua came to be because I was asking GreenWave, which is a nonprofit, what can I really do to help this amazing new ocean farming industry? And they said, well, we need your help creating a consumer market for kelp. So we set out to do just that with Okua. That's really cool. And I'm really excited to dive into your product a little bit more. And I know you've started this and now you're doing some crowdfunding as well on Republic. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you've raised a lot of money over there, over $350,000 and growing. Was this kind of your your way of really getting the brand to that next level and kind of just walk us through um, what your process was and why you decided to go the route of crowdfunding? Sure. So We put together a small round, just over 500K in 2018. And this was really to, we were, you know, running around New York City with Ziploc baggies of kelp jerky and getting investors to try it, telling them about our mission, which is to create this entire meat alternative platform of foods that were made from ocean farm kelp and mushrooms and pea protein. And so, 
we launched Kelp Jerky on April 2019. We also did a Kickstarter where we raised about 80K and that was really like our pre-launch and we're getting out the product to like those first thousand people that backed us on Kickstarter. I love the idea of crowdfunding, whether it's rewards-based crowdfunding or equity-based crowdfunding. I'm a huge community builder, super connector, and I love the idea of like building an army of people who are fighting for us to succeed in the world. So when 2020 came about and we knew we wanted to launch our next product, which is the Kelp Burger, we needed to raise a little bit of capital. And it was uh, in February of 2020, we started fundraising, (laughs) which was a horrible time to start anything probably, except maybe, I don't know, building a house in Maine. (laughs) So (laughs) we started fundraising. We got our first check-in from Susan Rockefeller, who's amazing. And then it stopped no one wanted to invest in companies. Like everyone was freaking out. Obviously the pandemic was crazy. So we put together a small round over last year, but we knew we needed to look for alternate forms of capital. And Republic approached us as did many other equity crowdfunding platforms. We chose Republic for a lot of reasons, which I can get into, but basically launched the campaign in early November with the internal target of hitting 300K during our entire campaign. Because most of the food companies we saw in there raised, you know, about 100K. We're on track to beat what, I mean, we've already beat our goal. We're on track to probably do about well over 500K by the time the campaign closes in April. That's awesome. That's exciting. And I know that um, we were talking offline. I think the reason also the crowdfunding has been very successful is because of the benefits that there are for the consumer too in the sense of health. We were talking offline. I've taken a deep dive into, into the kelp space and what was the most interesting to me is this thing of like, hey, you know, what seafood is actually healthy, but it's healthy because of what they eat. And, you know, kelp is what the actual fish and all of that eats. So it's great to hear that that's on track. Super exciting stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We have so many people that are like baby boomers that come and eat our products because of what you just said of doctors telling people eat more seafood, things from the sea. So it's good that you already know that at your age. And yeah, I mean, you know, from a macronutrient perspective, you're not getting like a ton of proteins or fats or carbohydrates from kelp. Really, like our proteins and our fats and our carbs and our products come from other ingredients. So for protein, a lot of it's from pea. For fat, we have extra virgin olive oil. For carbs, you know, we're pretty low carb, but it what, you know, you have some complex polysaccharides from the mushrooms. So our really shining nutritional power with the kelp is the micronutrients. So the vitamins and the minerals. And that's really exciting because like if you think about the way that we get vitamins and minerals today, a lot of us are popping pills because our soil is so devoid of these nutrients. Um, But the oceans are still really rich in them, especially, you know, up in beautiful, clean water like Maine where we grow our kelp. So yeah, I like really stopped taking vitamins when I started eating kelp. You don't need to. And that's a cool thing. You know, plants are way better to eat than pills. For sure. Depends what pills, but vitamins. (laughs) (laughs) So Talking a little bit about your product. So you've got, you know, the kelp jerky, and I know I saw there's kelp pasta, and now you've got the kelp burger. How did you kind of come up with the initial like product? And what was your thinking in terms of like, this is what I want to bring to the market for consumers? Yeah, so we started working out of an East Village kitchen with a chef named Will Horowitz, who's very famous for his meat. 
And he's also super into mushrooms and seaweed. And we started experimenting um, with doing like plant-based versions of his famous products. Like he was really famous for salmon jerky as an example. And I would always come in and be like, you need to stop serving meat in your restaurants and, you know, kind of giving him the, the hippie playbook. And so he came up with kelp jerky. He also came up with some kelp sausages and kelp burgers. And we just loved this idea of what if we can replace the most unsustainable form of food agriculture with the most sustainable form of food agriculture. So I also have a background in technology and startups and like building businesses online and I wanted to start with like a dried shelf-stable product that would be easy to ship. So we started with kelp jerky and knew we always wanted to do burgers and sausages, but knew those would be frozen and much more complicated. So yeah, that's kind of how we came to launching kelp jerky as our first one. Very cool. And I know you're also, you kind of marketed as the, the first carbon negative snack. For those of us that might not be as familiar with what that term means, could you shed some light on on what you're doing there and how it's so beneficial to the environment. Yeah, so any plant that uses photosynthesis to grow is pulling carbon out of whether it's the atmosphere or the water and, you know, turning it into oxygen for us to breathe and the carbon is also becoming the building blocks of that material which we're then consuming. With kelp what's so special is that it's pulling carbon out of the ocean which you know, we all think about our rising ocean temperatures, deacidifying the oceans is really, really important. Now, why kelp is so powerful compared to land-based plants from a carbon sequestration standpoint is because kelp grows like 20 times faster than most land-based plants. You can actually watch kelp grow if you have, you know, a camera on it and like in a day can grow up to an inch certain species. The species we use grows about a foot a month which is still really fast. You know, it's faster than your house plant or a tree. Bamboo grows really fast too. So a lot of people call it the bamboo of the sea. So looking at like different products that are taking carbon out of the atmosphere, kelp is definitely one of the more powerful ones, which makes it like a carbon negative food. The other thing to think about when you're looking at growing kelp is unlike most of the other things you and I ate or drank today, kelp doesn't require fresh water or dry land or fertilizer or feed to grow. And when we think about the biggest, you know, kind of problems when we're growing food at scale, it's basically cutting down forests for agriculture on dry land and then usually using a lot of our freshwater resources to grow those crops. So kelp grows without either of those. So those are the the two bigger sustainability pieces around ocean farming. Very cool. Um, and I know you mentioned earlier a little bit about your experience in, in kind of like the startup world and the tech world. So I'd be curious, you know, as someone who's building this direct-to-consumer brand now, I know you're in some stores as well also, but basically just building a brand versus building a tech company or a startup in the tech world, what have you kind of translated over from your learnings over there into this new brand that you're building? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I have to say that I do miss tech companies sometimes, just like the scalability from users being onboarded onto your platform. It's incredible. But we have this really unique opportunity to like bring people around a table with our kelp burger and our products can create like a lot more intimacy and conversation. And I think it's a beautiful thing in a world that's increasingly digital to be in the physical product space. One thing that I think has been 
really interesting for me is like the tech world moves really fast. And so like I've been built to move really fast and I've come into the food world and it's a little bit archaic. You know, you have a lot of people that are like, don't answer email, barely answer their phone. And I'm talking about like grocery store buyers. You have to like go in and like track them down in the store to get their attention, which is crazy. And it's kind of driven me nuts. And so, you know, I think a lot of it is also like in this industry, it's a lot about like who you know. And so one of the things that I did in tech really well was building online communities. And what I've done in food when I didn't know what I was doing is I started a Facebook group called OMG CPG. And I just added like, I don't know, hundreds of founders that I knew in the food space and they added their friends. And now it's like 2000 people. So that's been super helpful. And I think we've seen a lot of these really interesting networks and online communities in the CPG space pop up. And that allows you to kind of like move a bit faster through it, even if part of the industry still expects you to like show up in person with a PDF and like, you know, like a printout of whatever you're offering. I imagine in the fisherman industry, like that must be even, you know, more archaic and more old school, if you will. You know, yes and no. I mean, our first year, we like bought kelpcoin.com and we were going to put like kelp on the blockchain and we're going to basically like have transparency from the farm to the processor to the bag. And, you know, this was 2017 when everyone was putting everything on the blockchain. So all of our farmers were down. They're like super cool. And our one, we buy all of our kelp from one farm up in Maine. So a women owned farm, they're called the Salt Sisters. And they're amazing at Instagram and like taking content and and getting out there and building their brand. So, and they answer email and text. (laughs) So I think our farmers are actually really, really hip and cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, What was it like kind of making that transition over, were there any things that were like really unexpected that you kind of had to figure out how to solve for? And and what were those things like? I'm so embarrassed by this. So I'm like an optimist almost to a fault. And when we launched the Kickstarter, we launched it in March. We had like the product ready, but what I didn't understand was like, if you make a product in a kitchen, that doesn't mean that like in a matter of a couple months, you're going to be able to just sell it in a bag. Because this jump from kitchen to making a product in a manufacturer is huge and can take like a year, especially if you're creating a new product like kelp jerky, where we had to create an entire new process for it. So I launched our Kickstarter in March of 2018, and I told all of our backers that they would have kelp jerky by July, which like didn't happen. They didn't get their kelp jerky till the following April. And so I was basically in like November being like, all right, everybody, we all loved Avatar and we know Avatar 2 is going to be amazing, but it's just taking a while. <laughs> you know, this is like the Avatar 2 of snacks. And people were like, ah, they were so angry. And then I got a little pissy because like I can only take so much like internet shit for like, you know, however long. And I was like, look, if you wanted to buy snacks that like were delivered to your door immediately, like go to Amazon and buy kelp jerky. Oh, wait, there's no kelp jerky on Amazon because we're inventing it. Like give us some time, <laughs> you know? So that was a huge learning experience because in tech, you can literally like go from MVP to like roll out in three months. It's not a problem. And so my learning of like, you know, moving to physical products was like scaling something is a completely different ballgame. For sure. 
I imagine the community building, even just for the actual Kickstarter, and now you're on Republic, running those campaigns, getting like the backers for it is another challenge as well. So I know you talked about like the founder community piece that you kind of put together with the Facebook group and stuff like that. What's your approach been like to building this community for not only product users, but kind of managing that community, but even people now that are buying into the product on the investing side and going through Republic and potentially purchasing some equity and stuff like that. How have you been able to to foster that growth and really build that community? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's just like hand-to-hand don't want to say combat, but you know, it's just like hand-to-hand relationship building. There's definitely an initial like boom when you launch something and you have to make sure that that boom is loud and that there's reverberation. And then like, you know, the moment you start to see it kind of mellow out, you're like, boom, another time. And so like the timing of running a campaign like this, we're kind of letting it mellow out right now. And then our last 45 days, we're going to be like, boom, 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 every 15 days and it's going to end. So kind of like thinking through that cadence of bringing a campaign like this to life, like what are your booms? So a boom could be a newsletter to 20,000 people on your mailing list. A boom could be, you know, getting everyone on your team to post on Facebook. It could be a press hit. It could be creating content with your current investors and getting them to share it out, et cetera. So I think that we've done like a pretty good job at, at keeping that momentum going, But I have to say that Republic is also just amazing. Like they've got their own newsletters. They've got their own massive community. Like 75% of the funds that we've raised have been through Republic, not our own network. So I owe a lot of that to their own platform. For sure. What are the types of ways that you're kind of like communicating with your early audience? And I'd be curious, like what you're doing, if there's something that you're doing that's maybe a little bit different than some e-commerce and other direct-to-consumer brands in terms of keeping them engaged and just keeping them active in your community? Mm, It's a good good question. Well, I'll tell you about what we're doing with the Kelp Burger. So we're secretly selling the Kelp Burger right now. We've got a few things to work out before we launch it. We've got a little bit of product development done, left to do. We've got packaging to figure out. And then you know, a little bit of the finalizing around the price, which is tied to kind of figuring out some stuff with manufacturing. So we have this product though, that's like 95% there with, you know, the packaging's at like 10%. So we were like, well, why not sell this right now? You know, like why not build buzz around it? Why not get people excited about it? So we started in June, basically secretly selling it. And in the summer, we were really selling it for product feedback and we were making changes and iterations based on that feedback. And people are just so excited to like buy anything online right now that's like new and especially the kelp burger because you can throw it on a pan and seven minutes later, you've got like a healthy dinner. That's cool, right? So we don't have it on our website though. You have to sign up for a wait list. You have to DM us on Instagram. You have to ask for the link. And so we're kind of making people jump through hoops. And like while they're jumping through these hoops, we're like getting to know them better, you know? And we just, we have, I think, just amazing customer service. Like we're not perfect. We make mistakes. You know, we say some things that we wish we hadn't and we sometimes hide comments, but 95% of the time, like our customer service is above and beyond. And I think that's really, really important today. I think our customers too are very curious. You know, they're coming, they're wondering what's kelp? Why is this sustainable? And so it's just a lot of time, you know, it's doing things that don't scale in order to scale at the beginning. (laughs) 
For sure. I even see it on your website. I know we would definitely be not doing a good job as podcast hosts if we didn't cover this. There's a quote from Richard Branson on your website. So you were just talking about the big booms that you want to create. That probably was one of them. How did you kind of land someone who's just so, so big in the space? And like, what was that process like to help like eventually build those community blocks to get someone like Richard Branson to kind of review your product? Yeah, so we got that like literally when kelp jerky was in a plastic bag. I was invited to do a three-day triathlon that the Branson family was putting together to raise money for their charity, Big Change. So we swam from Italy to Sicily, we mountain biked across Sicily, and then we ran a half marathon up an active volcano, which is Mount Etna. That sounds epic. (laughs) Yeah, it was epic. (laughs) Yeah. After three days of this super rigorous activity. The last day was running out, running up Mount Etna. I know I'd been talking to Richard just a little bit throughout these two days and I ran up the mountain and I slapped him on the ass on the way up. And he was like, Ooh, I quite liked that. You know? And I said, well, great. And I'll see you at the top. And I saw him at the top and he was, you know, I just finished eating. And I said, Hey, by the way, I've been wanting to ask you this, like the whole trip, like, can you try my kelp jerky? And I told him about it and he was like, of course. And he ate it and he was like, wow, you know, I was preparing to come up with something nice to say, but actually it's wonderfully delicious, you know, well done. And I was like, um, <laughs> I just like <laughs> thought about it in my head and wrote it down. And that's how I got the quote. That's awesome. That's really cool. It definitely stands out on the website and it's kind of a cool story. Honestly, it was even more fascinating. The story you kind of told <laughs> there of this epic triathlon that you did. So, you know, I always love to hear, and I know the audience does as well, like different types of things that are like really working to help grow your brand. So if there's anything in specific that kind of stands out, I'd love to hear some of the things that you're doing that you think are maybe making some of the biggest impact in terms of brand growth. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's basic stuff that's been really helpful for us. Like, you know, Fast Company wrote a piece on our kelp burger and that brought in like $5,000 in sales in three days, which was crazy. You know, I mean, we're, you know, not a huge company. So five grand to us is a big deal, especially in a couple of days from one piece. We've done all of our PR. I've done all of our PR in-house at this point. We're just starting to talk to a PR agency to help us with the kelp burger launch, which is really exciting. I think that, you know, for us, I mentioned the customer service piece being really integral Oftentimes our customers are like, can we get on a call? And I'm like, sure. We have a lot of people too that like ask us if they can work for us for free, which is pretty amazing. So we've built this like army of like marketing interns that are just incredible. And they allow us to have great customer service and to be creating content constantly. You know, I always have active stories. We post every day on Instagram. We're commenting on other people's posts. And I think that engagement's really important. You know, it's been tough for food brands. Like we're not sampling in stores and we have a weird product that like you kind of need to sample. So we've mostly just focused on online and just engagement on Instagram and Facebook. Haven't put a Kua on Clubhouse yet, but we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) You have to make a kelp club on Clubhouse once you get that going. I know. I think we're almost there. I bet it'd be like five of us in a room, like me and Ramon and like a few other people, but (laughs) maybe maybe in another year. Count me in. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really cool. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up and and coming towards the end of the podcast, 
I think one thing that's really beneficial is, and then I know you've talked about some of the different challenges that you face. Is there anything that you've kind of experienced that, you know, if you were giving advice to a, a founder today that you think would be important to share? Yeah, I, I do. I think that the founders, myself included, we kind of suffer from like imposter syndrome sometimes. And, you know, there's also just a nervousness around not wanting to like ask for help all the time too, because especially if people are giving you money to build your business and like, you feel like you should have the answers and like figure things out. And I look back at a lot of the mistakes I made and I had the contacts within reach to ask questions to, to avoid those mistakes. And either I didn't because I was shy and wanted to figure it out on my own, or I didn't because I was just really busy and, you know, didn't take a moment to kind of step back and be like, you know, what are the things I have to figure out? And like, who can I ask for help to figure them out? The thing about like CPG is like, you know, obviously there's timing, there's product market fit, but like so much of it is like formulaic, you know, it's like the sort of the way you do performance marketing, the way you do your retail strategy and, you know, who to even hire for your branding and design and, and things like that. Yeah, I guess there's things I know now that I wish I'd known then. And I think it's just about asking tons of questions and asking for a lot of help. Awesome. Well, that's definitely great advice over there. And I'm sure the audience that's listening in is going to really appreciate that. So, you know, Courtney, it's been awesome having you on the podcast over here, talking a little bit about Kelp talking about your journey, your epic triathlon with Richard Branson. <laughs> We've covered a lot of really cool things. So before we wrap up over here, I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share where people can learn more about Aku- Akua. Akua. <laughs> learn more about Akua. Come on, Jay. And kind of what's next for you and your team in 2021. Yeah, for sure. So if you need to remember Akua, it's like aqua for water, but with a K for kelp. And then we pronounce it like the Hawaiians do, Akua, which is a, a Polynesian term that refers to like spirits and goddesses that, you know, protect the ocean. Akua is also a Japanese name that means water and also love. And so that was another reason we really, really loved it. So I think for us, you know, we are so excited to give anyone who's listened to this podcast access to the Kelp Burger and including a sweet little discount code. So just... DM me on Instagram, I'm at CBM, or DM the brand, which is at Life Akua. You know, we will get you that secret Kelperger link and a discount code. Just mention this podcast and that you you heard it here. And that's it, you know, just make it simple. Get some Kelpergers on your plate this winter, or if you're in Austin, summer. <laughs> well, I am definitely gonna be sending you a DM myself for the Kelperger because you got I it. am super interested in this. I've been like wanting to eat a lot more healthy in 2021. And I think this is probably the best place to start. But Courtney, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. It was great getting to talk with you about kelp and all the fun stuff you're doing and your Republic campaign. And I guess I'll give a shout out to that too. If, if anyone's interested in investing in Courtney's kelp burger and all of that good stuff, feel free to join the Republic campaign. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it might still be running when this podcast episode gets released. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. We'll put that in there as well. But Courtney, thanks again for, for joining us. It was a great episode. To everyone listening out there, we hope you enjoyed hearing Courtney's story. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to drop a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you next time on the DTC pod.